Broadcasting live from the KVXL studios at Liberty Baptist Church in Las Vegas. Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. The Frittle Show with Crystal Heath. I've said that we must be cautious in claiming God is on our side. I think the real question we must answer is, are we on his side? Faith, family, freedom. For me, it's very simple. I think we've got to, we've got to get the country back on the right track with the most inspiring agenda. A voice in the desert. Now, here's Crystal Heath. All right, Las Vegas, everybody else, welcome to the program. Great to have you with us today. This podcast, I'm releasing it early this week because uh, we have Veterans Day tomorrow. Thank you to all those who have served in the past, who are serving presently, and we, uh, we appreciate your service. We know that we are the land of the free because of the brave men and women like you who serve, and we are grateful for your service. So because of Veterans Day, my week has gotten a little bit disheveled, so I am going to release this podcast earlier than I usually would. We usually let it out Thursday or Friday. This week is going to come out either Tuesday or Wednesday, depending on how things go here. But I haven't, I haven't prepared for this podcast. My unprepared for podcasts tend to be either some of the really good ones or some of the really bad ones. I don't know where this one's going to fall, but this one is just a podcast from my heart to your heart based on some things I've been thinking about over the weekend through various conversations I've been having with people and things I've been seeing you guys talk about online. So, you know, this is a, this is an interesting time in our country. We have some saying that the election is not over, that Joe Biden is not even the president-elect at this point, which, by the way, would be correct. He's not the president-elect until the electors certify him so, or at least until the states certify him so. And to the best of my knowledge, we have not had a single state at this point actually certify him, so or certify their election results, rather. So technically, because that is the case, he is not yet the president-elect. That said, as I spoke in depth about on my last podcast, I do believe there was a good deal of fraud. I do not know that at this point that the fraud is something even uh, though I believe the president will win most, if not all of his cases in court. I don't know that it will in the end affect the outcome because of the extent of which this fraud may have taken place and because of the processes and lack thereof currently in work in our election Uh, system. The faith that the American population has in the electorate system here in the United States has gone down significantly over the last week or so, and I think that is understandable. Even for those who say, no, there's no widespread fraud, it's not a big deal. Okay, well, that's kind of the problem. They, They throw the word widespread in there as if to dismiss all fraud. No, el- voting fraud should be a concern to you no matter who you are, who you vote for, what side of the issues you fall on, because for every vote that is illegitimately cast, your vote loses its value. For every vote that is submitted fraudulently, your voice is weakened, your voice is lessened. It is ridiculously important that we investigate any and all credible claims of voter fraud and that we allow the courts to do their job, and I believe that they will. But again, I don't see it at this point as being enough, and I went into in-depth in the last podcast. You can go find it on iTunes or SoundCloud why I believe that is the case. So at the end of the day, I think we will end up with a Biden-Harris presidency. 
that has created a great deal of angst in our culture. Amazingly, on both sides, even the the Biden side is not uh, those that would be Democrats are not exactly happy right now. I'm not. I mean, they they had abysmal showings in the House. AOC even saying she's not even sure she wants to be in politics anymore. So, guys, if you are on the side of the GOP, you should not be discouraged right now. And this is what this podcast is about. Three things that we as conservative Christians should be doing right now and can be doing for the next two, four, six years, all the years that we have. This is the same thing. It has not changed. This is what uh, we need to talk about. All right? So this is what I want you to know. No reserves, no retreat, no regrets. It's a saying. I don't remember who said it first, but it's something I have tried to live my life by, uh, other than the Bible, obviously, for literally decades. I heard it in my early teens, and it just really made an impact on me, this saying of no reserves, no retreat, no regrets. Okay, we're going to start, we're going to mix up the order a little bit, though, because we need to start, I think, with no retreat. Guys, this is not the time for you to fall back in discouragement and despair. There is no reason for you to be in despair. Discouraged? Okay, you can be a little discouraged, but you can't live there. This is not the time for you to say, oh, woe is me. Oh, life is so rough. Oh, they argue with me on Facebook. Oh, they dislike my posts. I'm just gonna go hide in my little bunker or on parlor. Now look, I I made a parlor. I don't have a problem with alternate social media. I don't have a problem with MeWe. I don't have a problem with Christians and conservatives uh, utilizing these platforms. However, I don't think that in utilizing those platforms that we need to yet abandon the other platforms. Uh, Twitter is just far superior in its platform usage and design and function than Parler at this point. I think eventually Facebook and Twitter will become obsolete. I know that is difficult for most of you to think through. However, Facebook is already the, uh, the haven of the older people. If you didn't know that, Facebook is not where the kids are hanging out today. All right? Think, uh, think Zanga and MySpace. And some of you are like, what in the world is Zanga? Exactly. <laughs> Zanga was like the pre-Facebook, pre-Twitter world that was super popular at one point. Not to mention MySpace. Okay, so I, I do believe that Facebook and Twitter will, will go the directions of Zanga and MySpace in time. I don't know that that time is now. I don't know that Parler and MeWe are the replacements. I don't know. But what I'm sell- telling you is you need to learn how to utilize the tools that you have. All right? And you need to realize that there are people who are never going to change their mind, who are never going to be willing to have a conversation with you, who are always going to attack everything you say online because their eyes are blind to the truth. The Bible says they simply cannot see it. They are going to fact check you, quote unquote, all day long because they are blind to the truth. So what do you do? You can leave Facebook altogether or you can learn to utilize the tools that you have. Facebook has some great tools. There are ways that you can... You can put people on mute essentially for a month. You can put them on mute essentially forever without even unfriending them. Okay, so you guys can still be friends, they can still see your posts, or if you don't even want them to see your posts so that they don't come and bother you and disturb your peace, if you want to speak your peace on Facebook, then you can do, uh, you can make them a restricted profile. 
There's an option that Facebook has to where you can still be friends with someone, but they do not see anything that you post unless you choose to make said post public or someone tags you in a post. There are ways that you can still enjoy Facebook, that you can still see uh, the fun pictures and keep up with people that you want to keep up with while not having to actually unfriend those that you do not want to keep up with. Or you can unfriend them. There, are, <laughs> there is nothing out there that says you absolutely must maintain your online friendships, especially if they are with people whom you never actually interact in person. I don't know why this is so hard for some people. Like, if they're making you miserable, just unfriend them or mute them. I Personally, I have a... I have a... Uh, uh, what do you call it? A, a personal standard that I live by when it comes to Facebook. Now, Facebook and Twitter, for me, are completely different animals, and I'm not going to explain that to you right now because most of you, I think, don't use Twitter extensively, but you do use Facebook a lot, so I'm just focusing on Facebook right now. But I do not go... People can put whatever they want on their Facebook page. It's their Facebook page. But if they post something that I disagree with, unless they're a close, personal Christian friend of mine, or even when they are, I'll say, because I'll clarify this in a second, I don't go to their post where they're talking about Joe Biden being the best president the world has ever seen, and go comment on their post and list out all the reasons why. Because they're not going to agree with me, and why do I, why do I need to be involved? I don't, need, I, don't, I don't need to comment. I disagree. That's okay. They are allowed to have their opinion. And, 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 <laughs> and if you say they're allowed to have their opinion, then they'll be like, No, it is facts! So it's not worth the argument. Okay? And if it's a close Christian friend of mine who starts saying things about how, well, we have to support Joe Biden to restore decency in the Oval Office. And I think that that is, um, I think there are things to say for that Trump and how he has governed and that he could have done a better job when it comes to the decency aspect of things. I don't think anybody questions that if you've seen his Twitter feed at all, ever. But... I do have very other, uh, very strong concerns, very other very strong concerns, I don't even know what that means, but I have strong concerns related to Biden and other aspects where I think, you know, the guy that supports the murdering of innocent children, to me that's far more offensive than the president tweeting things that he probably should not be tweeting. But if it's a good Christian friend of mine that I actually could have a conversation with, I also, again, don't need to comment on their Facebook post unless the comment is, hey, I have a little bit of concern about this. I'm going to send you a direct message. So that way, our mutual friends know I'm not going along with this, but I'm also not going to put them on blast right here on their page. I engage with people. If they come, if I post something and they come and they comment on my post to try and sway my friends, then I will respond to that because that is what my friends now are seeing. But I don't go on other people's posts. Just... Just let it go. Like, you don't have to respond. And if you can't let it go, I'm telling you, just just mute it, unfollow it. Don't engage that, okay? You, you focus on the people that want to hear. There are some people that are not going to hear, that are never going to agree with you, that they are never going to give you peace on social media. And it's just not worth it. It's just not worth it. Don't argue with people, uh, or as Proverbs says... Don't meddle with a fool in his folly. Just don't do it. We're coming into a holiday season. It is time to enjoy your family. It is time to stop fighting the wrong battles. We're going to talk about fighting the right battles here in just a second. But this is not the time to retreat. 
This is not the time to burrow in your hole to say, well, my vote doesn't matter, so I'm not going to be involved in the future. Bye-bye election process. I'm not voting anymore because they're just going to cheat and win. Okay, guys. Okay. That, <laughs> do you understand that that is exactly what they want you to do? That is exactly what you, they want you to think? And if that is the attitude you have and that is the avenue you take, they are winning? They aren't winning right now, okay? They, they can't even cheat well. I don't have time to explain this to you in depth, but the amount of people that voted for Joe Biden at the top of the ticket and didn't vote Democrats down the ticket or simply didn't vote at all down the ticket is mind-blowing. So much so that it does give credence to some of the fraud issues, but even beyond that, the Democrats did not have a resounding victory on Tuesday. I do not know how to pound this into people's heads, okay? <laughs> they did not win. Joe Biden won, but the left and their agenda did not win. Across the board, Republicans down ticket did phenomenally well. A ridiculous amount of people voted against Trump at the top of the ticket, but four Republicans down the ticket. This is not the time to stop fighting. But it is the time to stop fighting the wrong battles, okay? Like, for example, Joe Biden's, I don't know if it was his granddaughter or his niece, posted a photo of a family group hug where all the young people are hugging Grandpa Biden after he, he's presumed the victor. None of them are wearing masks, by the way, and Biden is an elderly person. And so what do we have? We have people on social media that are like, oh, look at this. Look at this. Hope they all get COVID and die. What? What is that? Like, don't, don't do that. Point it out. Say this is a great example of what families should be like. Enjoy your holidays. Go hug your grandparents at Thanksgiving. Be like the Bidens. That's what you say. You don't wish them ill. You say yes. This is exactly how things should be. This is how we're going to be like the Bidens at Thanksgiving. We are going to get together and we are going to celebrate as a family and we are going to express love to one another. We're going to hug. We're going to live life because that is what you have a life for, to live it. All right, so no retreat. Don't run and hide in your foxhole. This is not the time to run and hide. This was not a resounding victory. They may have won the battle, but they are losing the war, you guys. I know it doesn't feel like it, it doesn't seem like it right now, but I'm telling you, down-ballot races are so much more important to your life and to this country than who is sitting in the White House. Y your life, your children's lives will be more impacted. Well, I mean, we could argue about the Supreme Court. That's about the only area where this could be debated. But more impacted by your local and state officials. And by the way, it's your local and state officials who can revise the election laws in your state that will ensure we have better election processes in the future. But if you step out, <laughs> then not only are you not impacting the national election, but you're not impacting the state election, which could actually impact the federal elections. So this is not the time. No retreats. This is not the time. Then no reserves. Not only can you not retreat, but you don't get to be a sideline player anymore because I think that's what most of us have been for most of our lives it comes to the week or two before the election we start to think about who we're going to vote for maybe and we have no idea who the people are down the ballot but you know we'll, 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 we'll make our best guess at those ones or just not vote for them at all 
and then we vote on election day and then we are upset or happy with the results but we're like oh well I did my part I voted can I tell you something did you know that voting is the least that you can do for your country in the political and electoral process you should vote you should most definitely vote I wish that more people in our country voted but voting is the least that you can do now is the time for you not only to not retreat, but not to be in the reserves. You don't get to just come out when it's time for the election. You don't get to just come out and vote. No, this is the time when you become active duty for your country. Not in the military. This is an analogy, okay? <laughs> this is the time where you start getting involved. This is the time where you start contacting your state and city officials and saying, this is what... I think about this. This is what I think about this. And you don't do it in a belligerent or obnoxious way. You present yourself kindly. You always thank them for serving. But you go to them and you say, I want to thank you for representing me. As your constituent, this is what I think about ABC. How do you plan to address it? And always ask for an answer. Always ask for an answer. Don't just say, this is what I think. Thank you very much for your time. No, 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 no. Thank you for serving as our mayor, as our governor, as our state assembly person, as our state representative, whatever else. I appreciate your ministry and I pray for you every day. I want you to know that because you're my representative and you're representing me and my family, this is what we believe about ABC issue. How do you plan to address this issue or what are your thoughts on it? And expect a response. And if you get a cookie cutter, cutter response, thank them for the cookie cutter response and then press, press in more. This is the time for you, if you are financially able to do so, to open your wallet and donate to the Georgia Senate races. Because those are the most important things that will be happening in our country in the next three months. The Georgia runoff races will determine the course of the federal government for the next two to four years. It is imperative that we maintain, and we, I mean the GOP, maintains control of the Senate. There needs to be that check and balance of power on Biden, but more specifically on Harris, because if Biden is removed or stepped aside for health reasons, then uh, there definitely needs to be a check on Harris. If we give Harris unbridled authority, then she will do everything she can to, to usurp state authority and federalize as much as she possibly can. Your state leadership, especially if they are Republican, need you right now. This is the most important time for you to be involved in your state's government and your state's authority because your state's authority is going to be in peril and attacked, I believe, in the next two to four years. So you need to be finding out who your city, local, and state officials are and supporting good people in office in every way that you possibly can and if you can afford it you need to donate either to candidates directly in Georgia or to uh, organizations like um, the Alliance Defending Freedom or the the Joshua what is it called I think it's the Joshua Project organizations that are going to be helping to elect the the GOP senators from Georgia over the next few months get involved it is time for you to be involved 
And you're allowed, by the way, I, I spoke a lot about Facebook before. But let me say this. You're allowed to have an opinion on Facebook. You're allowed to say that you don't think that, uh, that Biden is a legitimate president. Why? Well, the Washington Post. Hillary Clinton. Trump is an illegitimate president. These are, these are headlines, by the way. Vox. In 2019, President Jimmy Carter says Donald Trump is an illegitimate president. In September of this year, September 17, 2020, on The Intelligencer, it is not undemocratic to call Trump's presidency illegitimate. NBC News. Majority of young Americans view Trump as an illegitimate president. Is that not enough? I have some more. May 15, 2019. Okay, that was last year. Former Vice President Joe Biden says he absolutely agrees with the comment that Trump is an illegitimate president. That was on Insider. The Washington Examiner. Stacey Abrams. Trump is an illegitimate president who opposes mail-in ballots because he's afraid. Do you understand that the other side that is saying that you need to accept the results of the election and that you need to just be nice and play along have called the president of the United States illegitimate literally for the entirety of his term? You are allowed to voice your opinion. You are allowed to have an opposite opinion and you are allowed to share that opinion. I think there are good ways to do it and bad ways to do it, but you're allowed to have that opinion. And if you, if you don't share your opinions, if you don't get involved in your elections, then, then it is n you should not be complaining. Okay? We had this whole group of evangelicals who clung to the media's narrative about how Trump was evil and, and destroying our democracy. And so they encouraged other Christians to not vote for him. And now we have many of these same people who are complaining, oh my goodness, Joe Biden supports gender transition for kids? What? Joe Biden is actually going to follow through with, with taxpayer-funded uh, abortion? What? Yes, because that was all what he thought before. Y you don't get to sit on the sideline and then say, what? How, how did this happen? It happened because you weren't involved. It happens because you made the wrong decisions. So it's time that we start making the right decisions. It's time that we take a stand for our country, Christians. Yes, you need to be... I'm not saying that you shouldn't be sharing the gospel. I'm not saying that you shouldn't be... Uh, wise as serpents and harmless as doves but let me tell you what some of you are wanting to be doves and you ain't got any serpent in you you need to be wise as a serpent you can't be wise as a serpent if you don't one know what's going on and two be willing to stand up and say something about it just when you say it say it in love right harmless as a dove so no reserves no retreat we started with retreat but no reserves no retreat and no regrets our nation did not get to where we are today at the voting booth. Let me clarify. I want you to vote. I want you to do more than vote. I want you to be involved. But at the end of the day, voting or not voting is not what has brought our country to the cultural crisis that it is at right now. 
what has brought our country to the cultural crisis it is currently in is young people who have been disillusioned and who have been won over by a world and a message that is simply unbiblical. So if you don't want to have any regrets at the end of the day, don't just vote, don't just get involved. What you need to do is you need to win the hearts and minds of your children. You need to teach them unequivocally what is truth. You need to show them why conservatism matters. It's a hard thing to teach about government and politics. Do the hard thing. Teach your kids why Marxism is bad. Teach your kids why communism is bad. Teach your kids how liberalism is a gateway to communism and show them examples in history of why. And if you don't know where to find those resources, you can go to Mystery of History. I have a book out called God in Government that will help with some of that. But there are resources after resources. Teach your children. And don't just teach them about why that stuff is bad. Teach them about the founding of our country that was good. Teach them about why a Republican form of government is better than a democratic form of government. Show them the difference between the American Revolution and the French Revolution. Get them wall builders materials from David Barton and from Rick Green. Show them how our country was founded on Christianity and why Christianity, if it is removed from our culture, our culture crumbles. Benjamin Franklin said that our government, wait, was it Benjamin Franklin? Maybe John Adams? I forget, but one of them said that our, that our, our constitution, I think it was Franklin, was wholly inadequate to the governing of a people that was not Christian, that did not have that moral foundation. Teach your children this. Because it's your children who are going to be determining who our leaders are and who will themselves be our leaders for decades and centuries to come. Your time here is very short. You've got to teach your kids so that they don't go away to college or go away to public school or go away to somewhere else and get indoctrinated by the left. And then you've got to pray. American Christian, you have to pray for this country. You have to pray that God will work. You have to pray that God will have mercy upon us and that God will continue to bless us. And at the end of the day, don't forget that no matter who sits in the White House, God still sits on his throne. But I need you to not use that. And this is what I have seen so many Christians doing. And I have a, a friend who wrote a piece about this, a brilliant guy, Dr. Jeff Myers from Summit Ministries in Colorado, too many Christians are using the, well, God is in control as an excuse to be in the reserves, if you will. Well, God is in control. I, I did what I was supposed to do. I voted on election day. Whatever happens next, that's God's business. Oh, well, you know, Joe Biden's the president. We'll just accept that and move on. No, 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 no. I, I just, I want to read you some of what Dr. Myers wrote because it's just, it's so good. He said, it is, uh, to say that is bad citizenship and even worse theology. He has a piece, uh, Christians must demand justice in election crisis. It's on the stream. Uh, he said it is bad citizenship because in a republic, your vote does not get you across the finish line. It gets you to the starting line. We have a solemn duty to demand that our government officials stand for truth and honesty. Saying God is in control is bad theology as well. Control is an accounting term for everything being perfectly in its place. The Bible does not describe God as controlling. 
Rather, it tells us God is wholly sovereign. He has created a dynamic environment in which we humans, his image bearers, are called to stand for truth and fight against evil and injustice. In short, God has given us eyes to see what he sees, ears to hear what he pays attention to, and hands to do what is right. To then say, God will handle it and walk away, is to ignore our design and surrender to fate. But God doesn't give us the option to turn our backs. Right now, the difference is a matter of life and death for our republic. The voting irregularities we saw this week should chill you to the bone no matter how you voted. Things don't add up and we all know it. Nearly everyone reading this has encountered credible accounts of multiple ballots received, more votes than there are registered voters, discounted ballots, and more. Scripture calls us to take a clear-eyed view of such happenings. We are to speak the truth and oppose lies. Lies. A Judeo-Christian worldview stands alone in this. Some worldviews, such as Marxism, do the opposite. Marxism declares that what is true is whatever advances the revolution. As Andrei Vinsky, Stalin's foreign minister, explained, there might be collisions and discrepancies between the formal commands of law and those of the proletarian revolution. This collusion must be solved only by the subordination of the formal commands of law to those of party policy. Other worldviews, such as secularism and postmodernism, assert that absolute truth does not exist. When people who don't believe in truth tell you they know the truth about this election, be suspicious. <laughs> what a good point is that? People of a Judeo-Christian faith should be different. As God's image bearers, we should love, show love for him by acting on principles that flow from who he is. According to both the Torah and the teachings of Jesus, one key way we do this is by loving our neighbor. Loving our neighbor does not mean merely offering a friendly wave. Rather, the bedrock of loving our neighbor is the pursuit of justice and righteousness. In the Torah, God be before God gave the command to love your neighbor, he first laid out what that looked like. He said, you shall do no injustice in court. You shall not be partial to the poor, defer to the great, but in righteousness shall you judge your neighbor. Loving your neighbor does not mean being nice and hoping that they like us. Rather, it is protecting justice for them as well as for ourselves. The biblical principle of shalom says that we don't just avoid harming our neighbor, we go out of our way to ensure their well-being. I'm going to jump down a little bit. The church is not the state, but the church does serve as a moral conscience that helps the state fulfill its responsibility to stand against corruption that puts our neighbors and communities at grave risk. During this critical time in our nation, it should be churches and people of faith who stand firm, not for our preferred candidate, but for justice and the rule of law to be upheld in our communities and in our electoral process. So what specifically should we do? First and foremost, pray and fast to beseech God to intervene and restore justice in our land. Then take action by studying the issue of election integrity and contact your state's election officials to ensure that your vote was counted. If your state is one where corruption is suspected, ask God for wisdom in how to hold your elected officials accountable. If we stand on the sidelines now, while the fairness and integrity of our elections are at stake, what injustice will we ignore next? Thank God that people like Dietrich Bonhoeffer, Frederick Douglass, Martin Luther King Jr., Margaret Thatcher, and other leaders did not just say, God is in control, and walk away. No, they accepted their divine mandate to insist on the truth. They fought tirelessly, risking all and pursuing justice with the passion God expresses in the Bible. In these perilous times, may we not squander our biblical mandate to seek justice and pursue it, and may God have mercy in our efforts. Now, I didn't read all of his piece. It's an excellent, excellent piece. Again, it's Christians Must Demand Justice in Election Crisis. It's over at the streams by Dr. Jeff Myers. He's the president of Summit Ministries. But if that's a little bit too weighty for you, let me put it another way. If you've never seen the Lord of the Rings trilogy, 
unless you plan to never see it, then this is the part where you should just turn off the podcast because I'm going to give away one of the best parts of the whole story. All right? As Sam and Frodo are almost there, and I'll, I'll try to not give it all away, so if you want to keep listening, you can keep listening, but Sam and Frodo are almost there. Their journey is almost complete, and Frodo is done. He has had it. He has fought. He has given essentially everything he has except for his life for this cause. And he looks at his friend Sam and he says, I can't do this, Sam. He says, I can't do it. He's ready to retreat. He just wants to be in the reserves. He doesn't want to fight this battle anymore. And Sam gives what I think is the best speech in all of cinema throughout all time, and I'm not even that big of a Lord of the Rings fan, but in this moment of this movie, it will make you want to rise up and fight your battle. Sam says, I know. It's all wrong. It's like in the great stories, Mr. Frodo. That's what he calls his friend. The ones that really mattered. Full of darkness and danger they were. And sometimes you didn't want to know the end. Because how could the end be happy? How could the world go back to the way it was when so much bad happened? But in the end, it's only a passing thing, this shadow. Even darkness must pass. A new day will come. And when the sun shines, it will shine out the clearer. Those were the stories that stayed with you that meant something, even if you were too small to understand why. But I think, Mr. Frodo, I do understand. I know now. Folks in those stories, they had lots of chances of turning back, only they didn't, because they were holding on to something. To which Frodo says, pretty much in a state of despair, what are we holding on to, Sam? And Sam says, that there's some good in this world, Mr. Frodo. And it's worth fighting for. And I want to leave you with this today. There's not just some good in America that's worth fighting for. There is, a, there is so much good in this country that is worth fighting for. And if you don't see that, it's because you either haven't studied history or you've never traveled abroad or possibly both. But you, you, you don't know how blessed we are here, guys. And, and people that say, oh, we are suffering this great persecution. We are not suffering. We are not suffering. Go and read the stories of men and women who were burned at the stake, whose families were torn apart, who were eaten by lions. Go and read the stories of Chinese Christians that today, and Chinese Muslims even today, that are being tortured, that are being put in indoctrination camps, whose families are being ripped apart. Read the stories that are coming out of North Korea where people are being persecuted for Jesus in Africa, where people are being beheaded, where arms and legs are being chopped off of people who will not recant Jesus. We are not suffering here. We have no excuse not to stand up and fight when all we have to do is fight in a political system where we are still allowed to have a voice, where we can still express our opinions, where we still have freedom of speech, where we still have freedom of worship, where we still have freedoms that are worth fighting for. This is not the time for you to sit down. This is not the time for you to sit on the sidelines and watch and see what happens and let your country go down the tubes. Now is the time to stand up and fight because your country is worth fighting for. This is still the beacon of Christianity and of hope to the world today. And if America falls, you will see freedoms deteriorate, not just in this country, obviously, if freedom falls, but around the world like never before. 
Your country is worth fighting for, Christian. God did not put you here so that you could live a happy, sheltered, perfect little life. God put you here to represent him, not only to your neighbors and to this country, but to the world. And you can do that, not just by giving out gospel tracts, which you should, not just by praying for your leaders, which you should, not just by raising godly children, with which I, I pray that you do, but also by standing up and using the voice that God gave you in a country where you have the opportunity to speak out for what is right and good and true. So do not sit back. Do not sit down. Stand up and fight for your nation. Now is the time for no reserves, no retreat, and no regrets. This is The Friddle Show. You can find me on Twitter and Facebook at The Friddle, Parlor at Crystal Heath. If you're over there, still figuring that out right now. I'm just putting puppy content on there because that seems to be a happy thing. But uh, thanks so much for listening. If you have thoughts, comments, concerns, sorry I got a little bit independent Baptist preachery there at the end, but, you know, it just it came out. Like I said, I went without notes today. Hopefully it was a blessing to you. If you have things you'd like to hear me talk about in future podcasts or comments, questions, concerns, please feel free to send those along. I've been very encouraged by all of the communication that uh, has transpired amongst uh, God's people and people that are interested in our political process over the last week. I hope that continues. I hope it doesn't die down. I hope you stay engaged and keep figuring out how things work. Keep asking questions. Keep learning. Keep growing. God bless you, and we will see you next week.